Hi, this is Gary Meese with the case against. We're continuing to look at the West Memphis 3 case on May 5th, 1993. Three little boys, all eight years old, C.B. Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore were murdered in West Memphis, Arkansas. About a month later, uh, a, a man, a teenager named Jesse Miskelly Jr. confessed to the crimes and said that uh, two of his friends, Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin, were the primary instigators in the crime, the primary culprits. Uh, they were all arrested. They were tried in 1994. Muskelly was tried separately because of his confession, mostly. Uh, Muskelly was tried separately from the other two. They were all convicted. They spent uh, around 18 years in prison. During that time, there were four documentaries released. Actually, I think the, the last uh, three documentaries released. No, two two documentaries released. Immediately within the year or so after they were released, there were another two documentaries. Uh, Paradise Lost one and two were released in the nineties. Paradise the third Paradise Lost movie was re-edited as the basis on the basis of their release. So it does show their release and the the movie. West of Memphis, which had uh, the, some of the sus some of the convicted killers as producers on the uh, on the program, uh, was released uh, and then within another year or so. There's also a fictionalized movie called uh, Devil's Knot based on Mara Leverett's uh, book on the case. That was released, and not too many people saw it because, frankly, the movie wasn't very good. Uh, there's arisen some controversy about uh, evidence in the case, specifically physical evidence and DNA testing. Rather than try to get into the total background on the front end, I'm going to uh, read this motion for decoration and injunctive relief filed by Damien Eccles against the state of Arkansas. And Eccles states, having recently learned of the West Memphis Police Department's spoilation of evidence in this case, apparently before and both before and after his Alford plea, Damien Eccles moves that this court exercise its continuing supervisory jurisdiction over this case to declare the violation of his rights by this misconduct and to enjoin its continuation pending the development of a full factual record upon which the court can consider awarding appropriate relief to Eccles for the damages it has caused him. Okay. He, uh, he goes into some of the background of the case, which I've already gone over. Uh, highly relevant thing here is in connection with, this is from the motion, in connection, in November 2010, the Arkansas Supreme Court ordered the 
trial court to hold a hearing to consider whether newly analyzed DNA evidence might exonerate the West Memphis Three. Ultimately, the development of further evidence in anticipation of that hearing, including the results of additional new DNA testing of certain evidence, led the parties to negotiate an Alfred plea resolution of the cases enabling the West Memphis Three to maintain their innocence while being immediately released from jail. Of course, it doesn't explain here that, not that the courts won't know this, but they had to plead guilty as part of the deal. Uh, <clears throat> it's also not clear, clear that uh, the defense is the one who sought the plea deal and it, you know it raises they make it sound as if oh we had they got new evidence and so therefore this forced the the state to uh agree to the plea deal and in fact if the only thing that really makes any sense is is that they did additional testing on the dna and they found nothing that would exonerate the West Memphis Three, and uh, presumably nothing that would help their case with an evidentiary hearing, which was scheduled for December 2011. So they worked out a plea deal in August 2011 to uh, engineer their release from prison. Well, I'll read on a bit. As part of the Alfred plea resolution, the state also demanded and obtained waivers from the West Memphis Three of any claims they might have had to sue the state for their wrongful convictions. This is true. In the discussion surrounding this waiver, the West Memphis Three and their counsel made it abundantly clear to the state that they intended to continue with all available means of further investigating the case to prove their actual innocence of the crimes charged. Now, they may have made it abundantly clear to the state and their negotiations, but what's actually happened since then is none of the West Memphis Three have made any discernible attempt to uh, bring, up, bring up new evidence, re-examine old evidence, uh, pursue new suspects, that work on developing more evidence against old suspects. They have done n nothing, or even to punch holes in the evidence that, that was presented them against, against them in court. They have done nothing visible and all that time and until July t t 2021, uh, a month before the 10-year anniversary date of their release. Uh, Dam this is the first time Damien Eccles has done anything proactive to pursue anything uh, in connection with the case since his release. Uh, Jason Baldwin's working, on, working with a uh, innocence project type organization that he co-founded it's very small. They apparently don't do a whole lot. They are working with a podcaster right now on a case. And I, I'm not going to try to get into the details on that because I'm not following it. Uh, the podcaster doesn't sound very interesting. And uh, the case doesn't sound very interesting. Uh, 
but they haven't done a whole lot. So maybe they're finally going to do a little bit on something or other. But, you know, they seem to be tagging along on this podcaster who apparently is going to be doing this look into the case with or without proclaimed justice. Uh, Jesse Miskelly Jr. has been basically hit out in the trailer park since his release. He went on there almost immediately, and, I, you know, he it's not that he hasn't gotten out of the trailer park for brief periods of time. I know he was living in Earl, Arkansas for a while, but uh, which is in Crittenden County, but I, I doubt if he's been out of Crittenden County a whole lot of times, except perhaps to travel to Memphis across the river. Since his release, he did go to a premiere of the third Paradise Lost movie and is kept a very low profile. Damien Eccles has kept a very high profile, but as a ceremonial magician, and initially he was a wrongful conviction uh, celebrity, and then even though there was no wrongful conviction involved, and then he, he gradually built upon that to market himself as a ceremonial magician, uh, dispensing uh, information and advice, and basically getting people to pay him money for his uh, so-called wisdom. Uh, anyway, they, they, there's, yeah, they may have made it clear they were going to uh, investigate to, to the state that they were going to investigate the, the crimes further, but they haven't done that. Uh, prosecutor, okay, to read on, reading on, Prosecutor Scott Ellington, in turn, committed that his office would investigate any credible leads brought to him by the West Memphis Three defense teams concerning their innocence, including have, having the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory help to identify other suspects by running searches on any DNA evidence produced in private laboratory tests during the defense team inve team's investigation. Now, Okay, not that you really would know the difference, but I'm back. Um, then this petition goes on to say, When he asked Ellington, however, the prosecutor balked. As a result, Rough Show ultimately aired in late March 2020 without the new DNA testing, but with plenty of questions being asked by viewers about why Ellington would not return Ruff's calls asking about the testing. Uh, you know, uh, Scott Ellington has not had a happy history with answering questions about the West Memphis Three case. So it's somewhat understandable he didn't want to answer anymore, particularly for public consumption. Uh, it never seems to work out well for Mr. Ellington when it comes to this case. Uh, but there's no... Uh, there is, there was no legal premise at that point for Bob Ruff to go to Ellington and ask for new DNA testing. Ellington, assuming all these things are, are true, and a lot of this is verbal stuff, it's, you know, they could argue back and forth about Ellington and the defense attorneys actually agreed to verbally, orally, but... Um, he agreed to authorize new testing if there was some credible information that came forward about possible new suspects. 
There's Bob Ruff had no credible information about possible new suspects. And Bob Ruff has, has no standing in the, the issue. Uh, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and, and uh, J- Jason Miskelly Jr. Presumably, and their attorney, their highly paid attorneys could presumably have uh, petitioned Ellington with this, but they didn't bother to do that. They didn't file a petition with the court for that. I'm not sure what their standing would be, but they they made no discernible effort to do anything to help Ruff in his efforts to get new DNA testing. And Ruff had no standing and really no basis for asking for new DNA testing on this evidence. And then we talk about these viewers. Well, the viewers were... (laughs) grossly misled by Bob Ruff, just as his listeners have been grossly misled by Bob Ruff. So, of course, they get all upset and worried because the Scott Ellington's not doing what they think he ought to do. They don't really understand the legal issues involved. Uh, uh, as with all these documentaries, it's, there was a strong play to emotions rather than the facts of, of the case or the facts of law. And after, as this goes on to say, after his show aired, with many viewers still furious at the state over the testing issue, Ruff asked Eccles' counsel, Stephen L. Braga, if he would endeavor to intervene with Ellington to secure his consent to MVAC testing of certain evidence in the case. Braga agreed to do so. Braga subsequently reached out to Ellington. He said he had no problem with the evidence, so t- having the evidence so tested. Okay, this is fairly new, new here, and I think it's significant that the West Memphis Three defense had apparently had no interest in actually doing anything with this until after the rough special aired. And so Braga was willing to make a show of making this request to Ellington. He didn't file, uh, you know, some sort of legal action to try to get this to happen. He just apparently just said, hey, hey, Scott, how's it going? Uh, How about this DNA evidence testing? Can we have some more of that? Uh, Over the course of the next eight months, Braga and Ellington engaged in a series of communications designed to facilitate the transmission of specified items of evidence from the West Memphis Police Department to the laboratory chosen to do the MVAC DNA testing. The specified items of evidence were the victim's shoes, socks, Boy Scout cap, shirts, pants, and underwear, as well as the sticks used to hold the clothing underwater and the shoelaces used as ligatures to bind the victims. The chosen laboratory was Pure Gold Forensics Incorporated, a California-accredited private forensic DNA laboratory specializing in the new MVAC technology. As we said, it's not that new. Uh, They do have a pretty good list of potential items 
here that would have DNA evidence. I will give him credit for that. Unfortunately, despite these many communications, which also involved at certain points at the express direction of Ellington, Assistant Chief Langston and Mayor Major Stacy Allen of the West Memphis Police Department, none of the evidence was ever transferred by the West Memphis Police Department to the MVAC Laboratory. Okay. No explanation was ever given for this failure. It just never occurred. At no point during any of these communications did Ellington or either of the West Memphis Police Department personnel ever indicate that anything had happened to the evidence in the West Memphis 3 case. As, we'll see, as we're going to see, and I've already mentioned, some of the evidence is apparently not there. Uh, perhaps it doesn't name a chief, assistant chief Langston's first name, but whatever his name is, and perhaps Stacy Allen and Chief Langston didn't really know that the West Memphis Three evidence was missing. Uh, it's not really clear how involved they were. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know that they would just automatically just send send evidence over to. Uh, this laboratory did uh, raises a question: Did Ellington order them to deliver the items to the laboratory, and they didn't do it, or did they just sort of, you know, said, "Okay, yeah, sure," and just not get around to doing it? It's really not clear, and a lot of this is very not very unclear. Uh, a lot of questions raised by everything here, and there, I don't think we're really ever going to get any answers. I'm probably not going to have any answers at the end of this podcast. I'm sure I'm not going to have answers to some questions. I think uh, this issue probably raises more questions than it answers, And uh, but I'll go on with this. In March of 2020, Ellington was elected to a position as circuit judge for the Second Judicial Circuit in Jonesboro. On October 22nd, 2020, Governor Asa Hutchison appointed Keith Cressman to serve as Ellington's replacement as the prosecuting attorney for the Second Judicial District. And Cressman's term was set to run from January 1st, 2021 through December 31st, 2022. So Cressman's already pretty well through his appointed term. Perhaps he'll run for the office and perhaps not. That we don't know that. In light of the some of the case evidence was misplaced and some of the case evidence was destroyed by fire in a building that burned down. Um I'm not sure what's the different, what the difference is between being lost and misplaced in this kind of context. But we'll go on. On April 1st, 2021, Cressman wrote to Eccles Council as follows. I confirmed with my predecessor your discussion based on his description. It sounds like your client wants to use the impact wet vacuum-based collection method analysis. Regardless of whether this will yield valuable evidence, 
Releasing the material isn't my decision. The property is seized. It doesn't belong to my office. So you'll need to petition the court asking for permission and giving the state an opportunity to be heard. But in anticipation of your client's motion, I've asked the West Memphis Police Department to catalog what remaining evidence there is. In other words, all this time that they've been making noise about, uh, and, and, and Ellington certainly should have been aware of this or should have taken this stance, but Ellington's, uh, you know, he's a feckless wimp. He'll do whatever, he'll say and do whatever it takes to get his, get his way, and, uh, you know, he's going to be a judge. Hopefully he'll be a better judge than he was a prosecutor. Or he is a judge, and hopefully he'll be a better judge than he was a prosecutor. And maybe he's not a bad attorney. Attorneys are pretty good about weaseling their words around and making things say what they really don't say, and we'll see, we see a really good example in this. Uh, all this talk about, well, the property... Uh, the property, up to this point, it sounds like Ellington, all Ellington had to do was just, all that needed to happen was uh, Bob Ruff to show up at Ellington's office initially, and Ellington would just send stuff off to be tested. Well, that didn't happen. So they get Stephen Braga involved. He has conversations with Ellington, and Ellington, I, I seemingly, we don't have, we're not privy to the actual content of this inf uh, this communication. Ellington seemingly uh, was trying to get the West Memphis Police Department to release this evidence for uh, DNA testing. Now you get Cressman in here, and Cressman says what should have been said from the get-go that would have made it clear what needed to be done if the West Memphis Three were actually interested in pursuing new DNA testing, which is a motion needed to be filed with the court. No motion was filed with the court to do this. So there was no, uh, there was, it was not within the prosecuting attorney's powers or duties to uh, release that DNA for further testing with the possible exception if he had credible evidence of a new suspect. And that has not happened in this case. And beyond that, it's questionable, when did the West Memphis Police Department realize that this evidence was missing? It's quite possible that... Uh, these two officials that were mentioned earlier, uh, Langston and Stacy Allen, really didn't know. Really didn't know what the status was of the evidence. It's locked away someplace. Who knows what the communications were? Who knows what the chief was telling them? Uh, so we don't really know what was going on here, except. Finally, uh, it becomes clear at the end that Eccles and his defense team didn't do what they should have done back really 10 years ago if they wanted new DNA testing. They had, an, they had DNA testing in 2011. They apparently didn't get the results they wanted, so they didn't go take it to the evidentiary court. The MVAC testing was available in 2011. Why didn't they use it? 
what has changed here except uh, Bob Ruff having a special that got some uh, TV viewers, oxygen viewers all riled up. Receiving no response from Cressman to his letter. Oh, sorry. In response to Cressman's email on April 5th, 2021, Eccles Council sent a letter to Cressman seeking the details of what Cressman had described in their phone conversation as some of the West Memphis Three evidence being lost, some of the evidence being misplaced, and some of the evidence being destroyed by fire. The letter also requested indications of when these things had happened to the evidence in the case. And th these are reasonable questions. Receiving no response from Cressman to his letter on April 13th, 2011, Eccles Council emailed Cressman, just wanted to follow up with you regarding the cataloging of evidence in this matter post-discovery of its current condition. I have attached a letter that I sent out a week or so ago. I really want to make sure we get ahead of this. Thanks again for your assistance. If they wanted to get ahead of this, they should have started a number of years ago. Uh, once again, Eccles Council received no response to this email. On April 28, 2021, however, Cressman gave a media interview concerning his first 100 days in office. In that interview, Cressman volunteered that Eccles had asked Cressman's office to test items of evidence in the case, but much of it is gone. The prosecutor said in capital murder cases, evidence is kept and securely stored, but in cases like this, the evidence is often lost or destroyed. The petition goes back to argue the West Memphis Three case was a capital murder case with regard to Eccles, of course, and it was hardly a run-of-the-mill case like this under anyone's definition. There never has been and hopefully never will be another case like this. Well, amen to that, but not in the sense that they mean. Um, Nobody, uh, Cressman never said it was a run-of-the-mill case. What he's saying, what he seems to be saying, and of course this is being reported, it's not his exact words, so who knows what he actually said. Uh, but what he seems to be saying based on this news report from his interview is was that in, in old cases like this, Evidence gets misplaced, lost, or destroyed. Not as a matter of policy necessarily, but just by the nature of the way things happen. For good or bad, and you can throw blame around if you wish, but that's the way it is. As of mid-May 2021, Cressman had still not responded to counsel's April 5th letter requesting to be informed of the details concerning Cressman's representation that some of the West Memphis Three case evidence was lost, some was misplaced, and some was destroyed by fire and when those things had occurred. Perhaps Cressman was waiting for them to file the formal petition that would have made those requests uh, more reasonable. Up to this point, this is just some sort of informal, 
inquiry about DNA testing of some evidence when there really wasn't any legal framework to do so. Nor had Cressman provided any information as a result of his April 1st tasking of, quote, the West Memphis Police Department to catalog what remaining evidence there is. Again, he had, he, you know, whether he should have answered them or not, he's under no legal obligation to do so. In light of Eccles' defense team's inability to secure this information from the West Memphis the Police Department informally, and with, again, I anticipated all this informally, on July 6, 2021, Eccles' counsel submitted a formal request under the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act to inspect, copy, or receive records containing the following information. I don't know if I'm going to read all this, but basically it's all, get an idea, all records cataloging the evidence in the West Memphis case before August 19th, 2011, and identifying the locations of the evidence at the time of such cataloging. Uh, uh, records referencing the loss, records referencing the misplacement, records referencing the destruction by fire, records referencing the destruction of any of the evidence in the case for any other reason after August 19th, 2011, which is when they were released. Uh, all records identifying any policies or procedures to be followed by the West Memphis Police Department preserving evidence seized in cases. Uh, more about policies and procedures. Evidence concerning communications between Ellington, Cressman, Langston, Allen, other members of the West Memphis the Police Department, or any personnel associated with the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory regarding this evidence from August 19th to date, and all communication concerning... Um, Apologies for that cough a minute ago. I've been catching them today pretty well, but that one slipped by me. Um, after Eccles' uh, request, FOIA request, was sent to the West Memphis Police Department and made public news media in West Memphis and its surrounding communities started to investigate its allegations that evidence in the West Memphis three case had been lost, misplaced, or destroyed. And then it says, according to a report published by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. It was told by the West Memphis Mayor Marco McClendon that he had confirmed with the WMPD that some of that evidence, quote, might have been destroyed, quote, in a fire around 15 years ago. McClendon said, I don't know what was destroyed or what was not destroyed. That is what I'm being told, that there was a fire many, many years ago. Let's point out that the uh, there was DNA testing of evidence in the West Memphis Three case as requested by the West Memphis Three defense uh, after 15 years ago, uh, particularly in 2010, 2011. Uh, they didn't complain. They didn't have any of the evidence available to them then. It raises the question about what items they actually had tested. Uh, 
Perhaps they were very selective about what they sought because they were looking for specific results rather than real answers. Um, and the West Memphis Police Department didn't seem, did not, but the West Memphis Police Department did not seem to have any trouble coming up with those requests then. Uh, you know, I've, I've met Marco McClendon. Uh, he was a very controversial figure at one point during my tenure at the West Memphis uh, Evening Times. Uh, and I tried to uh, work with him on getting a, you know, I was, I took a somewhat conciliatory attitude because I felt that they had gone overboard on their criticism of him, even though they, he was open to all sorts of criticism. Um, he, um, if he says he doesn't really know what this information, it's not really that helpful. Uh, it's certainly not very specific. Uh, and this news report I suppose it adds something to the mix, but it really doesn't add a whole lot, now does it? According to WMC5 Action News, it learned the following about the destruction of some of the evidence. Quote, a source said the evidence was transferred to shipping containers where there was a fire and some of the evidence was destroyed. Okay, this is, number one, this is TV news, which is notoriously lacks on details and uh, likes to amp things up for the viewership. Uh, it, we have a source saying this, but nobody says who the source is. I'm pretty sure this was a report from Janice Broach, who's a longtime uh, Channel 5 uh, reporter who's been involved with this case for many, many years. She's known to just virtually all the parties involved. Uh, and generally been fair and balanced and even-handed, but you know they're, they're all not not maybe not even, not even so much her, but the producers at uh, Channel Five are certainly willing to play to the expectations of the audience. Uh, again, uh, it raises more questions. Transferred to shipping containers where there was a fire. Now, when I think of shipping containers, I think of these can well, I think of shipping containers, which is these things you see on the backs back of trucks that are being transported one place or another. You know, big metal boxes, huge metal boxes. And uh, I, while I'm certain it's possible you could have a fire inside a shipping container, or even a fire outside that somehow made its way into into a shipping container, uh, a, a huge conflagration of some sort that destroyed stuff. I really have a hard time seeing a, a shipping container as being a likely place for a fire. It's not, you know, when you put something in a sh shipping container, it would seem to me you would expect it to stay there virtually forever, undisturbed. Uh, they're not easily moved. They're not easily set on fire. They're pretty heavy. They usually don't get blown around that easily. Uh, where I live, yeah, you could get, where I live in hurricane territory, you could have some shipping containers damaged in serious ways. A tornado could do it in West Memphis. But uh, 
it raises the question, how did this fire occur? And I think it's a reasonable question, and I think it's also a reasonable question to ask when the circumstances and what specific evidence are we talking about? And was this evidence that was tested back in 2011 or not? And we don't, we're not going to get any of that information from Channel 5 because Channel 5 doesn't have the time to even delve into those kind of questions, and they're not interested in asking those kind of questions. Uh, this court is more familiar with the extraordinary West Memphis 3 case than any other. At the time it accepted Eccles' Alfred plea, the court accurately characterized it as a, quote, tragedy on all sides, unquote. Unbelievably, the case has now gotten even more tragic with the state's recent admissions never before disclosed to Eccles' counsel or the court that evidence in the case has been negligently, recklessly, and are intentionally lost, misplaced, and are destroyed. Uh, this, is, this is the smallest tragedy tied to this case. There are many, many tragic aspects uh, to this. I would, even, I would even accept the argument that the, the, tie, the fact that those teenage boys went to jail was a tragic circumstance, even if they brought it upon themselves. Certainly, the troubles brought upon their families have been tragic, and the troubles brought to the families of their victims have been tragic beyond words. But some missing evidence is not tragic. They throw in this thing about and are intentionally lost, negligence that hasn't been proved, recklessness hasn't been proved, Intentionality hasn't been proved. All we know is that some of this stuff turned up missing, lost, destroyed by fire. There might be perfectly good explanations for all of that. People don't have total control over the world. Fires do happen. Things, you know, d despite the best intentions of somebody who's in charge of evidence at the West Memphis 3 Police Department, Somebody can misplace some evidence or lose some evidence, uh, particularly in a high-profile case like this. It's possible that somebody took a souvenir or somebody decided to mess around with the evidence in some, some form. However, it's very, very unlikely. It strains credulity to believe that Somebody removed some of the evidence, opening themselves up to probably a loss in career, uh, public humiliation, criminal charges, just because they thought maybe, maybe just might, there, there might be some evidence here that might implicate somebody. It, you know, it didn't happen with any of the evidence that the West Memphis Three had tested, we don't know what they had tested totally, but we, we can sort of surmise that, uh, you know, if that didn't find anything, then maybe there's not really that much to be found in the rest of the evidence. Why would somebody ever do that, risk all that intentionally or as part of some sort of criminal conspiracy, which I'm sure is being tossed about just right, right now? 
like they knew that this particular pair of pants would show this particular DNA and and you know and I, I know where the conspiracy theorists are going with this there's a semen stain on Stevie Branch's pants uh, the conspiracy theorists will go well the West Memphis 3 the police department knew knew that uh, that would show so and so was the actual killer and not good old Damien Eccles of course it, Damien Eccles is the one who left that stain on the pants, at least according to Jesse Miskelly Jr. The full extent of this outrageous dereliction of duty by the West Memphis Police Department authorities needs to be promptly discovered and joined and remedied. And it goes on to quote the Arkansas DNA statute. It doesn't quote the whole statute, and the statute really is aimed more at sex offenses than uh, other than other crimes, but it, do, it does throw in other crimes into the statute. Uh, and it states, states and in a prosecution for a sex offense or a violent offense, the law enforcement agency shall preserve, subject to a continuous chain of custody, any physical evidence secured in relation to a trial and of sufficient official documentation to locate that evidence. After a trial resulting in conviction, this evidence shall be impounded and securely retained by a law enforcement agency. Uh, retention shall be greater of uh, permanent following any conviction of a violent offense. Of course, they, they, the, the statute actually doesn't define what a violent offense would be. What aggravated assault is a violent offense. Arguably, some forms of burglary would be a violent offense. Uh, not personal violence, but violence to property. So it doesn't really explain what a violent offense would be, but I think we can all agree that the West Memphis Three crime was a violent offense. I'm not making that argument. Uh, and there's a really good chance it was, a, it seems to me, the evidence 